everybody, welcome to Why I Coach, the latest podcast here on strivesports.com. Before we get you into the podcast, we want to let you know that it is brought to you by Truck Center Companies. Matt Hoskinson here for Truck Center Companies. At Truck Center Companies, we sell Freightliner and Western Star trucks, the market-leading trucks on the road, and we're constantly improving our performance to offer our customers the best experience possible. As part of our elite support initiative, driver comfort and customer amenities are emphasized at all of our eight locations throughout Nebraska, Kansas, and Iowa. We'll make you feel at home. If it has to do with trucks, we've got you covered, including body shops at our Omaha, Lincoln, and Wichita locations. Truck drivers are the lifeblood of America, and you deserve the best. Come to Truck Center Companies and keep your drive alive. This is Why I Coach on StriveSports.com. My name is Eric Allgood. We have got an absolute treat for you with the eve of state wrestling nearly upon us. And it doesn't matter, and it's not going to matter when you listen to this, uh, but it comes uh, and is published as the final state wrestling tournament comes for Norm Manstead. Norm has been the wrestling coach. Uh, It started the program at Clark's, which became High Plains Community Schools here a few years ago. 50 years in the coaching and teaching profession. He is retiring from the coaching side of wrestling, but he promises to not fully step away from the sport of wrestling, and the sport will be better for it. So this is a fantastic conversation. I know so many wrestlers across the state have some sort of connection, if not directly, then indirectly with Coach Manstead. And so uh, there's a lot of stories to be told. We did our best to keep it as short as we could because we probably could have been there for another couple of hours, to be honest with you. But here's our conversation with Norm Manstead, High Plains wrestling coach, Why I Coach. Coach, we have to start with uh, thanks for letting us uh, pick your brain for a little bit here. Uh, that's a lot of years to be able to uh, pick some stories from. So uh, we're looking forward to some time here today. Thank you very much. Um, I will start with the, I call it the resume question. So as far back as you want to go, when sports or activities became a part of your life uh, to what has transpired all the way here to High Plains? Well, growing up on a dairy farm uh, as a youth, uh, my dad loved baseball and I was surprised when he let me go play peewee baseball and I had to ride my bike in yes it was about a mile but I had to ride my bike in and and it was a good experience Um, I wasn't the best baseball player and then as things progressed baseball was my sport I loved all kinds of sports used to read just read the newspaper look read this box scores all that kind of stuff Getting into high school, I went to a country school, and again, baseball was my best thing. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't play soccer. We didn't, we didn't play basketball. We didn't have any hoops out there. But anyway, got to high school, and <clears throat> I decided I want to go out for football. Well, I was pretty small and pretty puny, and didn't know what was involved. So, I wasn't the best football player by far. Tried basketball, and my mom bought me some of the cheapest. PF flyers you could find. I thought it was slide around the floor. So that wasn't a good experience. And I went out for track through the discus and the shot put. And I believe my farthest throw in the discus was 103 feet my freshman year. And that was my farthest throw my senior year. So I didn't get any better. (laughs) But baseball always was my thing. I played midget and junior legion baseball. Uh, when I graduated from high school, I I went down to University of Nebraska, and I decided I was going to try out for the freshman baseball team. 
went through a lot of the, we did a lot of workouts on our own. Got as far as the final cut. That was it. Didn't make it. So I had one more year of eligibility left in my, in Legion Baseball. So I had worked out for two months and about, and about a month later, Legion Baseball started. I was in great shape. I, my arm was strong. I'd been hitting the batting cage for two months, so I could hit. I had a fantastic year uh, playing Legion Baseball. We were we only had like one or two losses. It was a, a night a good team, and little did I know that in the stands, uh, my future college baseball coach was watching because he had a nephew that was playing for the team. And it just so happened that this was Bob Serve from Western Nebraska who had played with the Yankees. And when he was watching us, and at the end of one of our games, he said, he called three or four of us together. He said, would you guys like to play ball for me at JFK? Because that's where the new college was. I jumped at it. Wow, what a great experience. Little did I know that was going to be the toughest four years of my life because I didn't realize what it took to be a college athlete, and especially working with beside a major league professional player I, I didn't understand what he was trying to do I thought there's that's not that's not how you handle people but I was looking at it from a little kid in Nebraska not as a person that played for the New York Yankees and as I progressed in my baseball career also had um, uh, JFK had women's sports and I had to compete for women with for scholarships with women which is was unheard of back in those days and so you made you had to hustle and my last two years at JFK I was player slash assistant coach he he never had an assistant coach on his staff he kind of he must have sent seen something in me that I was pretty good at coaching or I was <laughs> I was gullible enough <laughs> to do all the dirty work <laughs> but um I would um I did pitch batting practice. I was a bullpen catcher. I played utility, outfield, infield. The only thing I didn't do was pitch. Um, kept the scorebook when necessary. Did, ran the, did all the signals at third base, marked the field, did everything. And when I graduated, I never touched the ball for a full year. I was sick and tired of it. But I went out and got my got started. I was came out to Clark's and started uh, teaching and coaching. Coached football. And then I, and I started the wrestling program. Well, how, how wrestling got started, never wrestled in high school, but my senior year uh, at JFK, I got three hours of credit to be an assistant football coach and assistant wrestling coach. And that's where I was introduced to wrestling. And the wrestling coach was Jim Sutherland, and he was, he was a good offensive football coach. Uh, but he was a great wrestling coach, and he pulled me aside and he said, "Hey, if you want to coach football, which is what I thought I was going to do, you need to have a good wrestling program." And so, and he made I worked for him just like I worked for Bob Serve. I did all the dirty work, <laughs> got to wrestle some really good kids that I was terrible, but they beat up on me, which is okay. And uh, so then we then we then we went ahead and, and started my wrestling program in Clark's, and that was fifty years ago. Um, didn't know anything other than hard work, determination, uh, don't tell me we can't do it because we can type attitude. And, and that progressed. And, and the, the good thing, I, we were undefeated in football, qualified three for state, scored two points down at state in wrestling. I coached track. 
next year we still had a good baseball football team and uh, wrestling got better. We got we were district champs our second year. Third year we were runner, district runner up and we were state champions in wrestling. As my wrestling teams improved, my football teams got worse and worse. <laughs> now I thought that was the correlation was supposed to be good wrestling equals good football, but not quite, huh? Well, I didn't have a lot of good wrestlers playing football. Let's put it that way. I had a lot of good wrestlers, but they didn't. I, I really the, looking back, the, why my football team got worse and worse. I tried to make it more complicated. I thought, well, if this works, then we got to do more and more and more. And I forgot the fundamentals. Well, in wrestling, since I've never wrestled, I just focused on fundamentals. And when I finally said, I think I'll just coach wrestling, I said, well, wait a minute. Why am I getting so complicated? Let's just focus on fundamentals because that's all we did. Single leg, double leg, half Nelson, nothing fancy because I didn't know how to do it because I had to go by books and clinics. And so... Really, the failure in football actually helped me in wrestling because I just, hey, this is what I got to do. We kind of had a, at the unbeknownst to me, was making a, a little bit of a formula for success. And I just kept doing it and doing it. And I never wavered from it. And I still haven't. I'm still the same formula we had when we started 50 years ago. So when when I've asked other coaches of this, who who was their influence, or when did you know you wanted to coach, you really just kind of happened backwards into it. Yeah, I just uh, I I love sports, I loved athletics, and it didn't make any difference. I would watch anything. Of course, we didn't have ESPN. It was it was what we could read in the newspaper and the magazines, and you know, and I guess my in college my my uh, advisor I I took. I was a biology and chemistry major, and he uh, he said, "Well, why don't you why don't you become a teacher?" Oh my gosh! I said, "My mom's a teacher. All my aunts are teachers. You want me to be a teacher?" <laughs> he said, "Well, you can coach too." Oh, I can. Well, well, that's not so bad then. <clears throat> so that's kind of how it began. So, uh, who are as as you get into it, then you have you had some obviously some influences that you didn't have to go look too far for. Right. Uh, if, if your mom and your aunts were teachers, how uh, were there other people that uh, once you got into the teaching, uh, who who were you looking at and talking? Well, to? I I relied. I went the first couple of years. I went back to my to Jim Sutherland and Vern Thompson was the football coach at Wahoo High. Um, <clears throat> I had met other coaches uh, like the Lanny Niece of Columbus. Um, I had met uh, other college coaches um, just in general. And really, as I'd listen to their clinics and their stuff, <clears throat> I would say, man, that's great, but it's not going to work for me. But what I did do is I take what they did and try to fit it into my um, into my coaching philosophy. Um, you know, various degrees, um, when when it comes to managing a wrestling team, managing a tournament, because that's kind of what we've really gotten ourselves famous for is our managing the big tournaments. Gary and Carolyn Hoyt from Mullen, they were in charge of USWF freestyle back in late 70s. I learned an awful lot from them as to how to go about managing tournaments. And part of, I can't particularly say one person, but really what I did, I found, I was go to different things and I'd say, well, that's pretty stupid. 
So <laughs> I would not put that into my system. And this is and listen to the parents, you know, and listen to all the complaints. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we won't do that. <clears throat> and uh, also, it ended up being everybody said, "Well, why doesn't somebody do this? And why doesn't somebody do that?" And I'm not that type of person. Okay, well, if nobody's going to do it, I guess I will. And that's how I got involved with our Nebraska Scholastic Wrestling Coaches Association. I've been president now four or five times, and now I'm the CEO and the director of it. But, again, great ideas, but nobody wanted to really do it. Well, uh, you know, why don't we do this? Well, okay, let's get after it. You know, and that's <clears throat> that's kind of been the way I've been about things. Um, going back, like Bob served my my college baseball coach was instrumental. I I learned, I picked up some things from Tim Newman, coach at UNL. I went to very Mike Denny probably had the most influence on me, and he coached at UNO. UNO. We became good friends. <clears throat> we both started teaching the same time. This is his fiftieth year of coaching. Highly successful. I really, really look up to Mike for all for the high standards that he set for his program, for his athletes, and he maintains those. Um, I another guy named Harry Gaylor out of he's still teaching in Omaha Central. He was good friend. He was assistant coach for Mike and Harry. We've talked about a lot of things. He was instrumental in helping me get with the development of our coaches association. Then as I go down, as we compete uh, during the years, I our tournament got to be fairly well known, and it didn't really take off until Guy Mitty from Tecama Herman, Rick Allgood from Bennington um, came out to our tournament. And we had, and Dale Bongi from Albion was there. Then all of a sudden, Galen Camrath brought his kids in from David City, and all of us, and then we had Dan Bross from Mullen brought his kids down, and all of a sudden we had a really great group of coaches that all had good athletes, and they all were state placers as teams. So really, I had to, I learned from them how to try to figure out how to beat them, and what were they doing? And so uh, they didn't know that they were helping me out because. <laughs> But I, they kept beating me, but we, we figured some things out. So that would be kind of where it is. And, and now today, I've had a great relationship with Ron Higdon, who was Mike Denny's assistant coach, and now he's with the NSAA. Um, Darren Boynson, who's with the Nebraska Coaches Association. I mean, we've gotten to know each other quite well. Um, just overall, I just I've met a lot of people. And it's interesting to listen to their story, uh, even from some from out of state. And and I've been very blessed with a lot of honors, and to be able to listen and meet other coaches was fantastic. Um, I, I you mentioned the name Ron Higdon. Um, Ron's a guy that I've gotten to know in the last couple of years, yeah. working with some different stuff with with Strive and the NSAA. Um, how how much has has Ron put in? Uh, tried to put a different type of a stamp on, especially that state wrestling tournament. It, there in Omaha, that that is, um, 
I, I, I know from, from the Strife perspective, when we go up there, we, we kind of think of, a, of state wrestling as being the best production, if it you is. will, of a state, by far. state event. When Ron took, Ron took over for Darren Boynton, and Darren had made great strides, but, um, I mean, that's, that's no secret. The NSAA, 35, 40 years ago, maybe even as far back as 20 years ago, they were focused on basketball. That was their cash cow. They made money with it. And wrestling and all the other sports, they, they, they encouraged them, but they didn't put the big emphasis in. And when Ron came in, um, he was kind of given a little bit more of a free reign to do things. And Ron, of course, had gone through the Division Two and Division One item or tournaments. He kind of knew that the the, the uh, PR was necessary and how to make a, a show out of it. And um, he's done a fantastic job. And by far, it is it's hands down the very best produced state tournament of any of our activities and i understand i mean i know that other sports are trying to, to, to build it up but it's just not the same wrestling where every fan there supports wrestling regardless of what the class is and that's probably what makes it so unique um but it's a it's a i mean i can't wait to see what he's got coming up next year he always he always keeps thinking it'd be something a little bit better a little bit better a little bit different We have to take a short break with Coach. We will be back with more in just a minute. It's thanks to you that we're where we are today. We're proud to watch these communities grow because they're our communities too. Our neighbors, our friends, it's where we live. These are all our hometowns. And no matter what, the people who will continue to serve your needs with the hometown support you know and trust are just down the street. Cornerstone Bank. Growing together. Teens drink one-fourth of all alcohol sold in Nebraska. That's two times the national average. Fifth worst in the nation. But there's something proven to stop teen binge drinking. It's called parenting. And there is one parenting style that works best. Learn more about the parenting style that works against teen drinking. Talkaboutalcohol.org As as you've gotten older, you've mentioned coaches that um, influenced you Mm -hmm. along the way. As you've gotten older, now there's there's younger coaches that I'm sure are looking up to you. Who are some of those younger guys that you're talking with now? Well, being in the being the director of the Scholastic Wrestling Coaches Association, I've had an opportunity to work with a lot of young young people. I say young; they've only been coaching for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're just they're just getting just, onto j- it. Just getting into it. But um, uh, coming to mind, uh, guys like. Uh, Tanner Team from David City, Jeremy Lavach from Skyler, Jared Owens from now he's teaching at Sandy or Southern, I think it's called, but it's Sandy Creek mm-hmm. thing. Um, the Garfield brothers got to meet them quite a bit. Um, I know I'm going to oh Russ Monette from Mullen. Um, he's been a I, I'm kind of I'm, I'm enjoying work with him, you know. Um, I there there's a there's a lot of them. These are people that have been willing to not only coach their team, but they're willing to work with other kids. Um, uh, Adam Tramner from Winnebago, Les Painter from from Cambridge. Um, they all 
have a part in they I guess you could say they kind of all bought into my idea of how we're going to make wrestling really good in Nebraska and to a certain degree uh yeah I guess I'm responsible for the push I I never intended that. Let's just, again, somebody's got to do it. Well, let's get it done. Let's go after it, you know. And no is never an option for me. There's always a way to do it. Um, but those are the young young guys, and they're coming along, and some of them are on our board of directors, um, and they're, we've got fantastic leaders coming up. Um, uh, you know, just every one of them has got their, their unique style that they do, and um, – Dan Lenowski, and he's been in there quite a few years, but he's another young one that, I say young again. <laughs> uh, Dan Lenowski's done an excellent job, and, and he's brought the perspective cause from the military because he, he was in the Army Reserve, National Guard, and he's had to take some deployments, but his team takes on the military aspect. aspect. You can see that. Um, uh, Matt Rogers from Carney Catholic. Uh, he's got some got some good things going out there, <clears throat> and I've just gotten to meet um, uh, Adam. I mean, uh, Twistmeyer from uh, yeah, Twistmeyer from Columbus. I think I'm probably spelling, talking his name wrong. Anyway, <clears throat> gotten to meet him. He was a, a great college wrestler, and he's 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 starting to do some things. For not only for his for the Columbus team, but for everybody. So, um, over the years, fifty years of coaching, what has changed the most? Do you think? <clears throat> well, I'm, obviously, we went through an awful lot of different weight classes. Um, probably the biggest change and the best change was when we went to the alpha body fat testing of athletes and the one and a half percent loss of weight per week. The body fat. The weight loss program that now is in is I think it's nationwide is one of the very best things that ever happened. Um, it's difficult early in the season, but after that, I mean, once my once my kids get to their maintain weight, their alpha weight, they um, most of them are never made more than a pound over, two pounds over. I mean, weight loss has become very manageable. In the past, it wasn't that way. You know, the rubber suits, the working out, jumping rope in the boiler room and sweating and all that. I mean, it, it wasn't healthy. We're just lucky no more, nobody else really got hurt. But it was really unhealthy. And also, the new, the new mats are really nice. <laughs> you can fold them up and two people can carry them. The old mats were heavy, 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 and it took eight guys. It took the whole tr- team to move. The whole team, yeah. That's probably discouraged a lot of people from coming out for wrestling. <laughs> um, what is the, what's the best thing about coaching? Working with the kids, being able to, I've always said it's working with the young kids and letting them figuring out what they, what they're, what they really want to accomplish and then helping them get there. Um, the interaction with the kids, um, you know, I my philosophy is that every kid I treat every kid as special. There is there are no favorites on my team. Everybody is a favorite. Now some may say, "Well, you," I don't treat anybody any different. They all they all get treated the same <clears throat> in certain degrees. They're all 
uh, very tough. In certain degrees, they're all pampered, <clears throat> you know. So um, that's probably the number one thing. I, I just the working with the kids. I mean, I've had some great, great uh, coaches that I've been able to be become friends with and long-lasting friends, but working with the kids and watching them pro- progress and then seeing how they progress after they graduate. You know, I'm very fortunate. I'm, I have been coaching grandkids of my former wrestlers, and, and that's, that's an honor that a lot of people just don't get to have. Um, I, seeing, seeing guys that you rec- coached before and they graduated on with their families and their success and, and then have them come back and just say, hey, thanks. That's a, that's worth it. Uh, how many how many third generation kids have you come to? Have you counted them? Oh, I'd say there's probably four or five. It's hard to say. A lot of the families. I mean, there's very few families that have actually stayed in these small communities. Right. But um, there's the uh, Reekin family and the Engel family and the Van Pelts, and um, there's. Um, I'm missing somebody. Ingles, Van Pelts, Reekins, they've been probably here the longest. And uh, and so that that's, that's kind of neat. Some of them don't always, you know, they didn't always wrestle, but, you know, I, I got to teach coach brothers and grandparents. Right. Um, another thing that you, you as a coach have gone through is coming to Clark's, then you've got co-ops, you've got consolidations as that has happened. Um, how has that been for you as a coach to <clears> – <throat> manage all of a sudden it's not just one one town one community but multiple we're fortunate that the three communities that decided that decide to consolidate all want to support everything and when we first became consolidated we had more people at on the way football game than the home crowds had i mean and they've done that with basketball uh, they support everything Wrestling is a little different because Polk and Horville had never had wrestling, although some of their some of the kids in the youth groups had wrestled in my club. But it was a little it's it's I get some support, but it, it it's you know, it's it's different. And wrestling isn't something for everybody. It takes a little bit to understand it. Once you get to understand it, you're hooked. You know, everybody can watch a basketball game. They understand that when the ball goes through the hoop, somebody scores points or a football game, but they don't quite understand why why is this guy on the bottom or why is the guy on top getting points and all that kind of stuff. Guilty. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there. Yeah. Um, what's the toughest thing of coaching? Well, today it is the an attitude of I want I want immediate satisfaction the work ethic and wrestling hasn't changed you still have to work to be successful some kids some parents aren't used to that now i'm not saying that they're bad i'm just saying that's what the sport of wrestling required it it hasn't changed since day one you got to work you got to sweat it takes dedication disappointment nothing comes easy you got to you got to watch what you eat when all your friends are going out. You know, you, the night before meet, you can't be going out. You got to get your rest if you want to achieve your goals. And you know, I, I've noticed. I'm, I hate to say that the kids aren't 
tough because the t- kids are tough. It's sometimes that they've been given avenues to escape. And just, okay, this isn't what we want to do. I can't say the parents are any different. Parents are parents. Um, they want the best for their kids. But um, that, that, that work ethic, even today, my, our country kids don't use a pitchfork and a shovel. They use the bobcat. They use an auger. I mean, the work ethic just isn't there. So you really have to teach work. In when we started, you didn't have to teach work. In fact, we were playing, and we, they were getting work, and we were playing, and that was great, you know. Uh, but having to go home and scoop out the chicken coop—that wasn't that was work. That was <laughs> or go home and milk cows. Right. Like I had to do that. That was work. We didn't want to do that. <laughs> but we'll do all the running you ask us. But right. don't make me go home <laughs> clean up the hog. <laughs> just just please don't let me go scoop some more yeah um what is the uh what is the thing or maybe how about this how about what is the um a, a story or two of maybe the proudest you've been of a student that maybe comes in and you like day one of wrestling is like mm, well we'll see what happens here and by the end um they've achieved something that you even you didn't think they could um there's been several. Some of them didn't achieve the dream that they wanted. They got better and better. Um, okay. um, they, you know, really the success stories sometimes aren't so much what happened at the end of the high school career. It's where, what have they done with themselves after they graduated? Um, I was, you know, going to my own, my, my own two sons, my son, oldest son, Eric, he never got to wrestle in districts until his senior year. He had two injuries, and he got beat out in wrestle-offs. Can you believe that? <laughs> but that's we run the – everybody gets treated equal. It was, it was kind of a hard pill to swallow, but the other kid beat him, and that was the way it was. His senior year, he qualifies for state. He ends up getting second. So all that hard work. And then probably my most proudest moment was – he won the state shot put, um, and he only was very last throw. And there is an example of hard work, perseverance. And you now he didn't get a lot of breaks; he had to make his breaks. You know, my son Mitch had was the biggest kid in the state as an eighth grader, <laughs> and he had to lose he had to lose <clears throat> about twenty five pounds from football to wrestling in order to wrestle his freshman year because he was over 300 pounds and he had to get to 285 or 275, whatever it was. <clears throat> and then how he progressed and how he um, – we've always had a tough schedule, so we wrestled all the best people and and uh, to come four-time finalist, three-time state champion. <clears throat> the Stevens boys and Logan Russell just recently, uh, what they accomplished, that was that's a moment that – to have three guys in the finals was just unbelievable. In this day and age, I have had it before, but never I've, – I've taken a lot of kids down. But this time I had three in the finals, and they have two twins walking in the Parade of Champions. Unbelievable. I've had brothers, you know, walking in the Parade of Champions before, but twins was just un- – um, <clears throat> there's, there's kids out there that um, I think of one in particular. I don't know how old he is now, but – John Fritz, he struggled with wrestling. He tried and tried and couldn't figure it out. Started putting it together his senior year. 
and he he qualified for state and I really didn't know it was going to happen I just keep going John and he did and so I mean that was highlighting his career but it was also told me don't ever give up on anybody don't ever give up you know uh, Daniel Teese qualified for state with a 500 record I think maybe maybe he was like 26 and 25 ends up in the finals so he's in the finals with 29 wins and 25 losses it was the story of the meet yeah you know daniel had always had the thing had had the, a talent he just couldn't quite put it together you know he made him he'd make i mean he was probably the greatest rags to riches quote story we've had and you know he had an opportunity to win too um there's been a lot of them. Um, you know, for every state champion, there's probably been another another kid that just got to the finals, and that was huge. Cleet Verbka did an outstanding job when he was a senior year. You know, and I just – there's so many. Um, I – you know, some of them have just – have gone further than they thought they could go. You know, you always say you have that potential, but like you say, some of them don't know – they can actually make it or not. And they put it together and they do it, and it's fantastic. Um, I know we've taken a lot of time, but I always got to ask one one question here at the end. And I, I for the first time, I got to make one personal. Okay. Um, I just got my six-year-old into youth wrestling as of, like, Monday. Yeah. So we've done basically, like, 30 minutes of tumbling sure. so far. What advice would you give to him or anybody else that is just how getting about into to you? Or, and, and I would love some, please, okay. yes. Well, number one, it's got to be fun. Number one, it's got to be fun. They've got to learn to work with other boys, other kids. Um, they need to know the fundamentals of the sport. They need to be safe. They know how to, how to fall. That's why they do tumbling, how to protect themselves. Um, winning. At a six-year-old level is nothing. It's no big deal. It's the experience. It's out there having fun and learning the basics of whether it's uh, learning how to do a sprawl or whatever, knowing that you got to shake the kid's hand when it's all over. doesn't hurt to shake the official's hand. doesn't doesn't hurt to put your arm around the, the guys and you walk off together. It's about fun and learning more about yourself. Um and yes, every parent wants their child to win. There's no doubt about it. But if you just sit back and let them have fun, and just just that's the number one thing, having fun. Now you say, well, how do you, when does it change? It changes when the child wants to do more. Um, if, if, if your child is really, really good, there's opportunities all, to, all around. But the chances... I, I want that six year six year old to wrestle when he gets to be a freshman. I don't want him to say, "Oh, I don't want to go there, Dad. That's too much work." Well, maybe that's what he needed didn't need to want to hear. But you know, um, I got a grandson, and he he's doing. He just started wrestling this year, but he's going to play t ball and soccer and swim, do everything, keep the season short, keep him involved. Don't. Don't they don't have they don't need a day they don't need a weekend off they need I, I would say excuse me a season off. My grandkids swim soccer, t-ball, and and uh, the, the one girl she does volleyball and and basketball now it's all with the YMCA. 
and swimming. Swimming is a big thing in the summer. My sons, they were in football, tra- wrestling, track, baseball, speech, drama, music. They did it all. And it made them a better person. And that's the thing is what you're out there is to make a better person so that when they get to the point where they make a decision what they want to do, they're comfortable no matter which direction they go. Don't put it. You know, you, they got to experience a lot of things, and it's hard to let them experience and fail. They got to fail and find out, oh, it's not so bad. You know, my sixth graders or my fifth graders, we had an argument because we weren't playing the game. I said, hey, this is not the World Series of Dodgeball. Okay, cool it. But they're competitive. You want them competitive. So. Yeah. Well, probably the last thing I'd like to say to all the people out there, especially the young coaches, is that when you become someone's coach, you are their coach for life. So make sure you always give each and every athlete a positive experience to be proud of. And so if they will always come back and call you coach. Well, this has been fantastic, Coach. Thank you so much for this time. I'm sure we could keep going for a couple hours, but uh, we'll let you we'll let you to your day. Thank you. Thank you very much, Eric. The lessons and the stories from Coach that could last and have lasted a lifetime. Uh, we hope you got a lot out of this. I know I certainly did uh, to be uh, a little bit better dad or a little bit better coach, perhaps in the future. Uh, drop me a comment uh, on Twitter at allgood underscore Eric. Uh, find me on Facebook or uh, at allgood underscore Eric on Instagram as well. Let me know how, uh, how you liked the podcast or if there's any other guests that you think we should have on. Thanks for listening to Why I Coach.